It's the True Penny Show with your host James True Penny. It'd be nice to actually chat about the show with you since we were just speaking about this before we started recording. Absolutely atrocious at actually finding you while I was at Wembley. <laughs> um, which, yeah, was a pretty common theme of us, I think, both trying to find people. Um, an utter yes. failure of meeting up attempts from us on several occasions, but we'll do better next year. Turns out it's quite tricky to find people when there's 81,000 people in yeah. one place. I mean, there's also the fact that, I mean, I didn't decide absolutely I was going until Wednesday of the week before, mm. which was a bit of a, a misnomer on my part. And as I look back from people, Hamza Hussein, um, high-level um, wrestling journalist mm. stuff, um, and is a writer with me uh, uh Worldwide Wrestling, was uh, sat 20 feet away from me. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a few few people saying like I was chatting to one of my other mates who was like he was right by uh, the cultaholic guys, and yeah, there were people who were by the wrestle talk guys. So yeah, yeah there yeah. was a lot of that going on. But I, I, I mean, it, and I thought about this. Like I posted this the first like a couple of weeks before the show. The first show I saw Tony Storm on was the first London show I went to. Mm-hmm. And she was tagging with Dahlia Black, and it was in a pub in Tooting. Yeah, a man when you think like that, isn't it? And that was nine years ago, and essentially the same people who were at the show were at the show, <laughs> plus another 70,000 of them. Yeah, you know, it was, yeah, yeah. basically every wrestling fan in the UK seemed to be at this show which was yeah it was it was think, a big yeah. celebration of wrestling let's face it i think that's i think that's the issue and i think that's what people i mean people saying well there isn't as much buzz for it as there was say for uh, clash of the castle last year for Card. Mm. and there's numerous reasons like wwe's been in this market for 20 years and aew's been in this market before yeah WWE presents a product which you can see up to date all the time and AEW as much as ITV. ITV are always are terrible parents for wrestling and always have been. <laughs> because they never put like it's never 10 o'clock on a Friday night. It's oh 10 past 10, 5 past 10, half past 10, yeah. next Tuesday. Because they're ITV and they're just terrible at having a regular set schedule, which makes mm. it harder for wrestling fans to follow. Um, as much as you know, I love they they put the show on for free two days afterwards. They, they are in one sense they are great partners, but they've always been terrible partners for wrestling. Yeah, in the day of like world of sport wrestling because of their lack of they are beholden to live television all the time as network television tends to be. Mm. And if live events run on, then the show runs on. Or if they've got they've bought a movie for Friday night that's an hour and fifty two hours and fifteen minutes, it's going to run for two hours and fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. So that's the trouble with ITV. So. There is numerous things that mean it wasn't as a ubiquitous zeitgeist level show as, say, SummerSlam Night 2 was, or even Castle, uh, Clash of the Castle last year was. On the other hand, this was a show for wrestling fans, mm-hmm. not for casual fans. Like, I had a guy, that, a guy from me next to me was saying, like, 
oh, I'm a casual fan. I don't really know what's going on. And then he was moaning because Aussie Open lost the tag team title. <laughs> <laughs> you, know who, you are not a casual fan. You know who Aussie Open are. <laughs> but yeah, I think there was that element as well because one of my um, friends back home who watches wrestling a bit but doesn't really stay up with it, um, keep up to date with it, was watching. He watched this show and he was like, you know what, compared to WWE, it was for like the in-ring part mm. of it. It was so much more entertaining. And they, you know, they stacked the matches up here. It was just one match after another. There was no sort of hanging around. The focus was absolutely as many wrestling matches as we can get in, basically, which I think for fans like me and you is is what we want to see, isn't it? So I think this, I think this is the thing as well. It's kind of like, you know... I, Vince Russo came out with sorry, Chris Villain. I can't remember his second name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He interviewed <laughs> Vince Russo the other week. Um, and um, he, yeah, Chris Van Villay, he interviewed Russo the other week. And um, we both follow each other on Twitter. And Van Villay is often an interesting character as to who he interviews and, mm. and stuff and how it, how it goes down. But Russo was saying, like, oh, I hate actual in wrestling, in ring wrestling. And, and it's like, and it's like, yeah, and obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we know that bit. <laughs> we, know that. we know that. But it's, his argument was like, it's the boring bit that, that doesn't really matter because it doesn't tell a story. And it's like, this is for wrestling fans who don't think like that. And yeah, it's like, if you think wrestling matches don't tell a story, you what are you doing? Matches. Yeah, you do not understand <laughs> what wrestling is. Um, yes, you don't need it, all the setup to do the thing. The yeah. thing is the thing itself. Exactly. And this, this is the thing with, like, you know, the Bloodline storyline WWE, which is phenomenal. Like, and it's, you know, it's sort of losing momentum a bit now, but it's been really, really good. But people are focusing on the angles and, you know, the the stuff they're doing for TV and the promo work. And, like, oh, this is so amazing. Like, yeah, but... If I want stuff like that, I watch TV. <laughs> what I want is, <laughs> you know, I want that to support the actual wrestling matches. And we'll talk about the MJF and Cole stuff, which is probably, um, for a lot of people, kind of the best way you kind of combine those two things. Yeah. We, we can delve into that. But and I think as well, yeah, I, I had an argument with somebody when Tony Storm left WWE as well, because uh, she said to me, because uh, I was like, Talking about the, like the pie stuff that Charlotte, Charlotte and, and Tony oh, Storm. Oh God! I blanked that from my mind. Actually. Yeah, and she said, well, <laughs> so she sort of like, well, that's storytelling, me, and you don't know anything about that because you're not a WWE fan, is it? And I said, so you're telling me that the number one contender to the world championship and the world champion need more of a story than the fact mm. that they are number one? Then that's bad wrestling. Yeah, you are, we... not, you are you are not pitching the talent you have at the level you need to. Yeah, it's such a misnomer as well, like with, you know, we talk about New Japan a lot and they've done some of the best storylines going over the past decade yeah. just from the majority of it being in ring. Look at the rise of Naito again now. That's a very simplistic story, but it's doing, you know, everything you want of the old veteran getting back towards the top. Like, that's, that is storytelling. Yeah, yeah, it's... it's it... The matches will tell the stories, and this is a good example of how they did this to, in this particular. Saying, yeah. you know, in for good and for bad, and there was not. It's some not good. It's almost yeah. Great. This and was actually, the thing. 
Sorry, just while we were, because you mentioned the Vince Russo thing, I just wanted to say, like, the, because um, I tweeted about this, the Bischoff comment on, oh, it was, it didn't have a WrestleMania feel. It's like, yes, yes. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the thing is, I'm, I think it's basically because Eric didn't go a job. And it's like, yeah, but I wouldn't have bought it if it was like that. That's it. I don't want loads of celebrities and, you know, there was a bit of, you know, live music and stuff, which we'll talk about. But it to me, that added to the show. It wasn't, you know, yeah. like have half an hour of Kid Rock and not, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It's, it was there yeah. to compliment the, the matches, which, yeah, is why I, that's why I watch wrestling. I want to watch wrestling matches. <laughs> Um, so the day for me started at seven o'clock in the morning when I drove to London, which is always an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it if you want to go and drive past London next week, but um, it was fine. And mm-hmm. I, I started picking up AEW fans' radar at Leicester Services when I went to get <laughs> breakfast, and there were AEW fans like sat having breakfast talking about wrestling matches, which was quite fun. Of course. Yeah. Um, and then I got there, I got to Richmond at about 11 o'clock in the morning, got some lunch from Popeye's Chicken, which was nice. Because uh, there's a Popeye's in Richmond. <laughs> Shout out to Popeye's. <laughs> yeah, it was like, this is a bit different. I'll have a crack at this. This is good. I, have a, I, is like, I literally am going to Jim Cornette's favourite fast food joint, so that is a good thing or a bad thing. There's, there's a Wendy's in Lincoln now. um but yeah so i went there and then i was texting you and i was texting dara Mm. and i was i was well i was talking on facebook with dara martin about like meeting up and stuff um but this is the one thing like from the 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 experiencing dara tells me we're not allowed bags in the building because dara brought some podcast equipment with him to do a podcast you see um and this this is dara from wrestling rewind and the plan was for us to do a podcast in the morning when we both got there. And he, I, he was supposed to get there early. It was the weekend of flight horror. So obviously he didn't get there as early as he thought he would do. And then like, I can't turn my bag in. There is a bag check in Wembley, by the way, if you do want to do this. But, oh, but neither of us knew this. And I only found out because mm. I clearly had not booked my ticket properly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, right then. I brought my camera with me. I dumped all my stuff in my car and left it in Richmond. Um, NCP car park, by the way, up north considered a right ripoff in London, cheapest thing going. <laughs> which, is, which is a, yeah, weird way round for it to work, given London yeah. prices, but there you that's go. That, that's it. I mean, you can go, there is there is a car parking website, and you can literally hire people's front gardens to go park your car. <laughs> and it's like, that looked dodgy as fuck. So yeah. I was like, NCP have not done me wrong, and it was £17.50 for all day. I think it was £22.50 mm-hmm. for all day. So I booked a £22.50 ticket for the whole day um, and left my car there and it was perfectly safe. So, yeah, um, and then I get on the train to the, the overground to Wembley. Um, and when I got there, I kind of sat and had a coffee because the ticket said show, show starts at 5.30. So I'm assuming zero mm. hour starts at 5.30. <laughs> I was I was mistaken yeah. in that particular. So like so the show actually started at three thirty more or less as soon as they started letting people in. So I missed Fozzy and I missed Grado and Jeff Jarrett, which I was mm. a bit disappointed. I was more disappointed about Grado and Jeff Jarrett than Fozzy, obviously. Um, but um, what what were Fozzy like 
on was, early on, or yeah, they were early. They were playing apparently, or they did okay. Songs, yeah. So yeah, because um, when we we walked in, it was when Miro um, and Hobbs were doing the contract sign. It was like, yes. all right, well, okay, I guess this is happening now. Yeah, so that, that was the time. That was when I got to my seat as well. And mm. So uh, yeah, so we missed Jeff Jarrett getting hit in the head with a chair with a with a guitar by Grado. That might have, I saw a bit of that. I think that might have been when we were trying to find each other in the concourse. So apologies for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, then me and Alex decided to try and find one another. And I went to find Alex to see where he said he would be and he'd eat gone. So why not wait? So basically, I think I was there by um, the merch stand. Yes. Then he couldn't find you, went back. You appeared, couldn't find me, went back. I got, I got my phone through, I got signal back. was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I rang you and you didn't answer your phone. And then you eventually answered text where I already walked a quarter of the way back. So I walked yeah, back yeah. again. Stood there for 10 minutes, but you never got the text. Yeah, <laughs> it all went well. We should say as well, we we were both in kind of that upper tier, weren't we? So sort of on yeah, we were, opposite we were the same, side. We were the same roads, yeah. Same, and it's a blooming long way around Wembley, obviously. Yeah, it's a yeah. Large building. So it took me ten minutes to get there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so there was that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so me and by the way, me and Alex met before. We've done podcasts together before. It's oh like, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we were trying to avoid one another. We, we are friends for a long period of time now. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, we, we really did try, but yeah. And yes, then obviously after the show, there. we were like, we'll meet here. And I got funneled out the stadium the opposite direction. And it was it was all a bit mad coming out because there was obviously <laughs> so many people leaving at once as well. Yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't so bad in yellow, and I don't know why, possibly because... Um, Everyone got floated out around the building. It seemed to be everyone was getting getting funneled out in the opposite direction. Yeah, because I I was saying to you, I seem to have walked past every other section apart from the one we said we'd meet up at, which was on the (laughs) other side of the the stadium. Yes, so um, I was waiting. Well, Dara from Wrestling Rewind had gone to bed because he'd flown in. He'd flown in from um, Florida the day before he flew to London um because he'd just been on holiday for two weeks mm. and edited me 12 episodes of the wrestling rewinds <laughs> okay. he was on the flight because he had nothing else to do. <laughs> so i've got them to put up this week so they'll be going up later today um um and then um what else did he do uh yeah so but he went home so martin was the only person i knew was available and like i told him we'd meet outside yellow and then you said you got you couldn't get there so I start heading back and then Martin texts me saying, I'm not yellow, so I go back, but they won't let me back into the area. So I have to literally guide Martin, who's hammered drunk, um, <laughs> to the point where I yeah. stood. And I met up with him and I met up with members of Dara's band as oh, well, nice. which was nice. And some other lads from uh, Northern Ireland um, who uh, were also at the show and we had a bit of a chat and that was kind of cool and that was nice. And then I headed back to my car and I had to make the decision do I drive all the way home or get a hotel? And I drove as far back as uh, I set the set the sat down for uh, Oxford services and made the decision there. No, I'm good. I can go. And then I, I'm going to get to Leicester services and make the decision there. And I drove to Leicester services and was like, I'm an hour and 20 minutes from home and that's 49 quid. <laughs> and I'm yeah. I'm not raring to go, but and but everywhere on the way home, the coffee machines were broken 
Oh, brilliant. Just not that. what you need when you're trying yeah, to not like caffeine to stay awake. <laughs> but anyway, that's the end yeah. of the day. So I've told you that story. But then let's yeah. actually get to some matches, shall we? Yes. Well, I was going to say, yeah, but, I mean, we had a hotel booked and we managed just, we just walked like half the way and then managed to get a cab once we got away from like all the hustle and bustle. So I know some people had some issues getting taxis away, but just walk it, walk a mile away from like where Wembley is and then you order the Uber and you're fine. That was our trick. I think, um, I think, that's, I think that's the thing. I would, if you are definitely thinking of going, organise an hotel now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've, we've booked ours already. As soon as Tony got <laughs> and was like, we're doing it again next year. It's like, right, get the hotel booked because these are going to yeah. go quickly. Um, I, was, I, was, I was working on Monday morning. So that's, well, not lately Monday morning. I was working mm. on 10 on Monday morning. And it was like, that's the reason why I had to go home because I'd left it so late. Um, but I'll probably organise <laughs> things a bit better for <laughs> next year's event. Yeah, if, I think a lot of people, like, it was quite last minute like we got a coach down first thing in the morning i mean in terms of getting there and getting in and everything it went a lot more um swimmingly than i was anticipating it would nothing went wrong but yeah we were we were taking some risks i think getting a coach down first thing in the morning to be there for uh a show that opened doors open at like half three but it all worked out I think, that's, um, I think that's the thing is depends on where you are. I was talking about what we were talking about before the show, but last year I went to Crystal Palace for the mm. Royal Quest show from New Japan and Crystal Palace is lovely, but there's nothing <laughs> there. There's the Crystal Palace yeah. and the sports stadium. So you go to the top of the hill to look at where the Crystal Palace was <laughs> and then you go down to the bottom to look at the stadium, which may not be there for much longer, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just kind of hang around and I went down to the market on the other side of the stadium and that was nice, but there is not enough to keep you busy for five or six hours. Yeah. And that yeah. was my that was me trying to my first time driving to London trying to avoid London traffic. <laughs> yeah. Which actually isn't that bad. If you kind of like resign yourself to the fact that as soon as you get to the M25, you're gonna be stuck for an hour. <laughs> if you're if you're happy with that and you can deal with that, then that's what's gonna happen. So don't worry about it. Whereas like when I when I wrote to Crystal Palace, I literally didn't stop. It was straight through. It was great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there was an advantage. But then again, I was bored to death and knackered by the time the show started, which is never a great place to be. So I was yeah. much more refreshed and happy to get to this show and start this show. Yeah, so, we said a bit more to do around Wembley than there was in, in Crystal yeah, Palace. So I think, that the, I, think, I think the thing is, I, this as well, I think as well for me, I, like trains and buses were not an option when I booked that late. But I might be more interested in taking the train next time just because mm. I can plan it a bit better. But equally, yeah. what's a four hour by This is also where you are. You're in Manchester. Mm-hmm. A train trip to London is three hours. Yeah. For me, I have to get to Sheffield, which is a two hour journey to start with. <laughs> yeah. You know, or I get to get to East Midlands Parkway, which is the cheapest way of doing it because we, but then you've got to get to Scunthorpe and leave your car in Scunthorpe all day. So, you know, the, the actual access depends on where you are in the country and as i live in a place that's not particularly accessible especially now i live in a village like driving has become more to more of a, a need and it's then then it's like when i drive 350 miles a week for work all week then 200 miles for a one-way trip doesn't seem what 150 miles for a one-way trip doesn't seem that bad <laughs> oh yeah like a tuesday <laughs> and trains in this country are terrible as well, well that, was the, that was the other thing as well i just didn't i didn't trust trying, back when yeah. i was at uni 
No, Transpat Eye Services kept me at uni. You know, they they were absolutely ultra reliable, wonderful service. Now I dare trust them to get me to a place where I want them. To yeah. Time. Yeah. There we go. Yes. <laughs> we'll we talk about. Sorry, yeah, we should chat about the show, really. We did, but we talk about. But I think I think we we rarely get a chance to talk about customer service. Yeah. Other than like you know, Glade being awesome because it's free. Um, so <laughs> so we should talk about this. So there was two matches from. Do we uh, want to quickly say about like the the show overall? Um, like in the um, and things like that. Yeah, I mean, what did you think? I mean, I I thought it was it was great and when we're linking that back to the experience and stuff like that it, it was I think overall a really well managed event and people <laughs> could get in easily and yeah we'll chat about some of the backstage stuff I'm sure um and address yeah. the elephant in the room um in a bit because um you know we we were originally going to record this on Saturday and then I asked if we could move the record date to Sunday. And I'm kind of glad we did now because obviously yeah. there's massive CM Punk news that's come out, which we'll, um, we'll chat about, give some uh, quite important context to some of the early <laughs> stuff on this show, I think, that we can chat about. But yeah, I thought in terms of, yeah, the in-ring action and they were obviously stacking match after match. It was a quality show, not really a dud moment. I think there's a couple of gripes which we'll we'll chat about as we go through, but it didn't feel like there was a bad match on the show, incredible atmosphere, which you'd anticipate from a British crowd, a crowd of that size. You know, it felt historic throughout. It mm-hmm. delivered on, on every front, I thought. And it, it was interesting just because there was a lot of talk pre-show like the build wasn't amazing, you know. They had all in one week. They've got all out. Um, I think tonight as we're recording this, you know, yeah. one week later, um, which definitely caused some issues. They've had injuries, you know. Jamie Hater wasn't on the show. Pack wasn't on the show, which was a shame. But you know, the depth of the roster they've actually got, the number of fresh matchups they can do, the consistent quality they're able to put out in terms of matches was was on show again here. You know, it's not the it's definitely not the first time where they've had like a poor build, a curse with injuries, and then they've delivered in spades on the actual night. So, you know, yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. And it's 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 important, I think, to to say there's all, you know, the tribal discourse and chat about tickets and all this dull, boring stuff online that always happens. But it's like, this is a company which is not WWE that has been going for less than five years, that's just put more than 80,000 people in a stadium to watch pro wrestling, which is massive. And it was a big risk to book the stadium. It's paid off for them massively. You know, lots of people were saying they'll never fill this place. There's no chance. And they've proven every one of those people wrong, really, (laughs) haven't they? So, um, you know, a lot of the wrestlers, you know, MJF's been vocal on this. Seth Rollins has been talking about it. It's... It's good for wrestling. It is good for the two yeah. big companies to be this strong. You know, the two big US companies to be this strong because it it means the wrestlers get more money. <laughs> you know, it means that they can they've got lots of more opportunities that just haven't been there previously. And 
in theory, we get lots of good wrestling, so you can't really, really yeah, argue with that. I mean, that, that's that's the thing is like you know there is this is not there is not I was talking about this this morning. There's not been a healthier time for pro wrestling. Yeah. In the last twenty years, realistically, mm-hmm. because though you know there's what MLW Impact Wrestling Ring of Honor. Well, let's say Ring of Honor AW really one entity WWE. Um, ugh, NWA, I suppose. There's five full-time companies you can work for in 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 the US now. Um, NWA isn't really full-time, so I say four, and it's horrible. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and and that's with CML and AAA. That's that's six companies in North America alone that are like international stadium-filling companies that can you know really draw a big crowd. Impact not so much, but they're not doing so badly as of late. You know, they've got more consistency about what they're doing. And a lot of that has been the spark of AW. And when one company's hot, everybody's hot. Because wrestling's wrestling and people want to go see wrestling. You see it in Japan as well. Noah's got hot. So everyone's Mm. into Noah. But that helps New Japan because people like wrestling. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's it's that thing, that continuous momentum and the more places to work. So therefore the value of good wrestlers is a premium, which is the first time we've seen that really since the territory days. Of, yeah. You know, um, and, and also with management in WWE that don't seem so worried about letting people go, mm. you know, whereas, you know, I think that's the thing is like, you've, you've seen a lot of people just no compete clauses don't really exist for them anymore. It's just like, yeah, if you want to go, go. Yeah. Whereas, whereas, Vince and Triple H would probably been more reticent to leave because they could work for somebody else straight away. Um, but they're not bothered because they just see it's product and they want to make it product. That's um, it. And you've got, yeah, interesting stuff of, you know, obviously Cody Rhodes has gone back there. You've got, um, you've mentioned like Tony Storm, how well she's been presented, you know, on a show yeah. like this, how Adam Cole will chat about, but that was the big one for me of he you know, was kind of criticised by some people of, you know, leaving WWE and things like that, and then he's headlining maybe the biggest wrestling show ever. It's very, you know, there there are those opportunities now for wrestlers to be able to sort of bet on themselves in that way. Yeah, I mean, I I look at a guy like GC Marshall as a perfect example of Mm. 10 years ago would never got caught on anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he's made himself a vital part of the of the AEW television show by being a good trainer, by being a solid worker who knows how to produce content that's relevant to the product. He's mm-hmm. not. No, he's not Ric Flair. He's never going to be Ric Flair. <laughs> but you need those guys to make the show work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, 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 not everybody can be World Heavyweight Champion. And you don't necessarily want everyone to be World Heavyweight Champion either. Mm-hmm. But anywho... Let us look at the show. So the show opened match-wise with better than you, baby, Adam Cole and MJF defeating Ozzy Open, Carl Fletcher and Mark Davis for the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. Um, I like this match. So I'm, I like Ozzy Open a lot. I love yeah. that. And I think Adam Cole and MJF are great. I am disappointed that the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles were sacrificed to a storyline. Uh, but mm. equally, it made the show a lot better for it. Um, but the actual match was great. I no complaints about the match. Fletcher and Davis could wrestle like broomsticks and make a great tag match. <laughs> so 
Um, I, I'll watch them all day. Um, Cole and MJF are, as much as we love pro wrestling, they're not like, they're not like Okada, Nato, you watch it for the match style wrestling, you watch it mm. for the story with those two. Um, and then they're, they're kind of more WWE orientated in that particular sense, but that's what makes matches like this play off in each other really well. So the dynamic between the two teams was really, really good. And it kind of set the tone for the rest of the match. This had to be pretty good to be able to keep momentum going. And that was the right thing to do, I think. Yeah, and I mean, MJF and Cole, I mean, we'll chat about the main event because they can work, you know, incredibly, that incredibly hard hitting, um, you know, really entertaining modern style as well. But yeah, this was a lot more about the story and... Yeah, it was. They obviously had to work quite a safe match as well because you're not <laughs> going to risk an injury for the, your main event of your biggest show ever. But it it was very much built around you know Aussie Open getting the heat. They got the they did the great thing early on, cutting off the Adam Cole baby, which obviously got loads of booze. Exactly what you should do: piss off the people um, <laughs> in the stadium right at the start. Um, and yeah, Aussie Open are great. It's it's one of those where if they could have worked a bit more, if they weren't worried about, you know, keeping it a bit safer, they maybe would have had an even even better match. But this did what it needed to do. Like you say, it progressed the story, built around, you know, the build to <laughs> the kangaroo kick, which obviously got a huge <laughs> very There was a lot of people I noticed with, like, inflatable kangaroos on the walk to Wembley as well. So... Yeah, that was that was great. And then, you know, the, the build to the double clothesline as well, which is now so over the way. Yeah, we'll we'll get into a lot of the, the Cole and MJF stuff, I imagine, when we talk about the main event. But yeah, this did what it needs to do, progress the story to the main event. I kind of had a feeling they'd do the title switch going in. Um, you know, it would have been maybe the predictable thing for them to do the old school, oh, miscommunication, and they don't win the match, and what does this mean for the main event? But what's been kind of great about this Cole MJF storyline so far is it's subverted expectations and your classic wrestling tropes in a lot of ways. So they're not doing the traditional story beats, they're mixing it up a bit. So them winning the belts um, to kind of tease um the turn in the main event which obviously didn't end up happening but was a it was a nice way to progress that into yeah. a main event that was better than just doing oh they're they're not on the same page kind of vibe yeah yeah it gives much more depth to what they were trying to do mm -hmm. um throughout the pre-show we were uh, informed definitely that mercedes monet was in the building yeah, more than a few times. It's just like she, but, but she just posts... happened to be in the area, says Tony. Khan. Tony. You know, he just thought that she'd want to see the show. It's like, come on, Tony, we know what you're doing here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she obviously she's a New Japan talent, is currently off on uh, off on the injured list, so yeah. she's free to go wherever she wants to go. I'm sure New Japan would not mind at all because it gives them more yeah. pump for what they're trying to do as well. I'm um. Mike Freeland uh, of Front Row Material did say, even added to like, uh, like, did some initial thinking and said, Mercedes Money should agree to, and she'd come out and, and like, you know, uh, say she's free from injury at, at AEW. She obviously didn't, though. And I was like, mm. why would a New Japan wrestler do that at all? In? 
<laughs> yeah, surely you would do that at Dominion or the G1 Climax final because she works with New Japan. Yeah, um, also I don't think response. she is injury free either, is she? She was wearing like the, the boot on her leg. Yeah, so. she's still she's still from that match with uh Willie Nightingale, so she's still still not well, so hopefully she gets well soon because yes. interesting and... things are afoot in Japan where she's currently doing her business as Kyrie has left to start for wrestling. Yes, of course, yeah. So that'd be an interesting one to monitor. I mean, hopefully she You'd imagine she'll pull double duty if she can. I think um, when we get into the punk stuff, I imagine another zero might be getting added to Mercedes asking price because yeah. she's the, the kind of, yeah, they need a star like her to come in, um, in theory. But also, she isn't going to come in to wrestle eight-minute matches either. No, well, we could, yeah, we can yeah. unpack that one when we get to the women's Yes, let's just move on. When we're talking about gripes on the show, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Hook defeated Jack Perry by submission, eight minutes and 20 seconds, in a fairly violent back-and-forth matchup that ended up on top of the limo. A very yeah. dilapidated, where they have they got that limo from? Dave's second-hand limos. <laughs> Croydon. I assume. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just like those guys because I'm sat right at the the where the stage entrance is. Mm. So I'm like driving. They must have got a sweet deal for that and Sue's people carrier. Anyway, yeah. we'll talk about that yeah. in a bit. But yeah. somebody drives in and he just like gets out and then just wanders off and stands and watches the match. <laughs> like the, the, um, what's the word? The the sofa. Yeah, he just kind of like stood and watched the match from the side. It was kind of like it was pretty cool. But this was this was fun with some fun high spots, some of which mm. made me go, ooh, really? Do we need to? Do we really need to be doing that in the second match? This isn't even yeah. on the main show. They all they all want to impress though, don't they? When they do, especially, it. yes. It's but yeah, and then I understand. But it was nice to see Hook take the win, take the mm. title back and kind of like complete this story. But I have a feeling that Jack Perry's the one that's gonna gain from this story. All the, the, the extracurricular news, which we'll talk about. After yes, the next well, match. we'll see on that. We'll talk yeah. about that, yeah. But like at that moment, it looks as if Jack Perry was probably going to get more of the. It's one of those things like losing isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, wrestling. yeah. They're, they've obviously been pushing him as this this heel character, which uh, has its ups and downs, I think. But there's yeah, it's definitely allowing him to show off more personality. Um, yeah, I mean the the match itself, like you you say, was it was violent. They, you know, was probably more or less what you would expect. You know, Hook getting the title back with the the submission um, again, maybe ended slightly abruptly in that sense. But you know, it's fine. They did the the cool stuff on the limo. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> the match is obviously. It's a bit different trying to analyse this one now after everything that, that happened afterwards. Um, the spot which launched a thousand ships. That doesn't really work, does it? But that, <laughs> obviously, with um, rolling thunder on the, the limo and then him saying the bit to camera is basically the thing that then exacerbated issues by all accounts. So it's um, going to be a I, wild one to go back and look at, I think. Let's say ended the inevitable contract negotiation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll get into that as we get into the next match. Because, yeah, obviously on the back of this, all the talk was about what happened 
backstage really but yeah fun little match um what you would expect from a pre-show match and yeah hook getting his belt back makes sense for the storyline but doesn't really impact um jack perry in any way in terms of the loss what obviously might impact him is what happened <laughs> after the match yeah so cm punk defeated samoa joe by pinfall in 14 minutes for the real world's championship Mm. Um, concluding a story which really essentially happened in Ring One 15 years ago. And I gotta say, I'm very glad that I got to see CM Punk versus Samoa Joe in person because, like, yeah. it is, I will never see it again. Mm-hmm. And I may never see CM Punk again at this particular yeah. point. So, Joe has been awesome since he came to AEW. He's mm-hmm. clearly enjoying his role as a locker room leader. I think he gets more leeway even than he did in WWE, and Triple H gave him loads of leeway. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of does his own thing. I mean, he's a different wrestler in Ring of Honor than he is in AEW, and I think that's a that's a neat trick to pull when a lot of other wrestlers don't look that different. Like mm-hmm. it's, in Ring of Honor, he's a proper heel. You know, he's using Stokely Hathaway to his advantage as the mm-hmm. as the CEO of Ring of Honor, and Punk um, can play into that. Um, whereas in this one. He was kind of more of a straight-ahead act, and Punk was a straight-ahead act, and Punk got the biggest pop of the night easily mm. to start off start off the show proper, and it was just the kind of thing you expected both of them to do. It mm. probably wasn't as good as they were 15 years ago, but that was 15 years ago, and yeah. they've had a lot of miles on themselves since then. Um, but it was the right story to tell at the right time, kind of put a capper on what the deal was with Joe, um and that that's that's kind of that really um but yeah the actual match itself was solid i really enjoyed it it was a good story a bit of a roller coaster ride um a little bit of an obvious blading spot when you stuck <laughs> through the announce table and like yeah. oh i wonder what's going to happen here <laughs> um but yeah um aside from that no qualms it was just the right thing to do just the right time to do it on on the right show and it was great I enjoyed it. I can't say I didn't. And I, I, I'm not necessarily the biggest of Punk fans, but I completely get why Punk is so popular and why he got mm. such a massive pop. And as you and wife next to me screaming with his hands through his eyes through the whole match, which is <laughs> what Punk is means to people. So what did you think of this one, sir? Yeah, so the match itself, uh, before we get on to the other stuff. Um, <sighs> yeah, so I obviously am a big Punk fan, so I was I was really excited about this. Love Joe. Um, I agree with you on, you know, how he's looked reinvigorated coming to AEW. I think in WWE was great. And like you say, got to do more than I think we ever would have really expected him to to do there, given, you know, his body type, his style, everything else. But he, it still felt like he was starting to wind down. And then um, there's obviously also the thing of people were showing where he was at when the last time WWE did a stadium show where he was on commentary and then now he's opening <laughs> the show in a match with one of his biggest ever rivals, which really, again, shows this opportunity stuff we've been talking about. Um, but yeah, when he came to AEW, it was like he was doing all his old hard-hitting moves again. It's like, oh... Okay, so Samoa Joe is still Samoa Joe. It wasn't that he was slowing down because um, he was getting older. He was slowing it down for WWE, basically. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, opening the show with this, a little bit of a surprise, but I think kind of makes sense if you've got 
the real world title as the opener and then you know the the actual real world title as the, <laughs> as the main event basically you keep them as far apart as possible um obviously with everything else around it the fact that this went ahead after everything that reportedly happened backstage is wild punk like you say walking out into a packed stadium gets a huge reaction mixed reaction is yeah <laughs> moments after apparently choking a guy out <laughs> threatening to quit and putting on a banger of a match is just sums him up in a way i would say because <laughs> um, yeah he worked the crowd to perfection he was soaking up the booze amplifying it with like doing the cena and hogan spots um putting over trans rights on the way out it was like just summing up every element of his character in one match really um there, there was there was a spinning towel hole for terry funk as well which i thought was really lovely cool. yes there was yes, yeah yes um, that, was, that was my that was my favorite bit of the match i must admit and no one yes. else in the building understood what the hell he was doing, but I did. Yeah, you knew it would, <laughs> if it was going to be anyone as well, it was going to be those yeah. two guys as well who did a Terry Funk spot like that. But yeah, I, I thought this was um, a cracking opener. I think it's maybe divided opinion a bit. Like, I don't want to do like the Meltzer rating discourse because, you know, who cares? Because it's Fox. <laughs> yeah, but that was one where it's like, you kind of underrated that quite a bit. I thought this was one of the best matches of the night. It was... Well, you know, I it, mean, to, to give you a balanced point, as we always do, uh, yeah. Wrestling Observer gave it three and a half stars, which is mm. woefully low for my particular consideration. Yeah. 7.68 from the cage match users. So, yeah, I wonder yeah, how much yeah. of that is, you know, the the anti-punk element, because I, I thought this was, yeah, one of the best, best matches on the night. I thought it was, you know, yeah, loads of fun callbacks to their feud throughout. You know, Punk came out in the old school Ring of Honor jacket, which was a nice touch, um, one with the Pepsi plunge. Like you say, got busted open as well, like they got colour in the first match. Um Thought that was a really creative spot with the the commentary desk. Not really seen that before. Go smashing someone through the side of it, um, which was a nice <laughs> spot. Um, yeah, they were you know playing off how well they knew each other, doing you know Joe's famous nope spot, punk out smarting him the first time. Then he tries to go to the well again. <laughs> Joe moves out the way after all and does the very British um, inspired wanker <laughs> reaction, which was enjoyable <laughs> as well. Um, he did, you know, the football celebration he did after the Olay kick was very enjoyable as well. So, yeah, I thought really, really enjoyable, um, for well-worked opener. And for me, kind of to touch on what you've said as well, of seeing Joe versus Punk live, I mean, we've probably seen, certainly seen Punk's last match in AEW, maybe his last match ever, you know. So for us to see that live is... <laughs> Is pretty wild, but I, I think I've maybe mentioned this on the podcast before. I can't remember, but the Joe CM Punk trilogy is basically what got me into wrestling outside mm. of WWE. That was what opened my eyes to, you know, that that landed when it was like Triple H's Reign of Terror. It was when JBL was on top on SmackDown. WWE was in the doldrums, and I was starting to read you know wrestling magazines power slam stuff like that and there was all this buzz about this second match punk and joe had had this hour-long draw and yeah got the dvd watched it and it basically 
change you know open my eyes change my opinion on what wrestling could be and from there it was like indie wrestling Japanese wrestling that was the thing that really got me on that journey so it was kind of a cool full circle moment to get to see them wrestle in Britain in Wembley Stadium and be there live for it yeah they, I mean they had a life-changing feud for a lot of wrestling fans I think mm. as well um but the elephant, indeed, in the room yeah, yeah. prior to this match, where CM Punk reportedly took umbrage at uh, the advice he'd given to Jack <laughs> Perry, way to put it, yeah, and decided to sucker punch him and choke him out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Noticeably, as someone pointed out on this morning, if you look at the end of the match, Punk actually says to the camera, "Goodbye." Uh, oh, really? I did with Joe. Yes, I did. I watched it. They did the video clip. There was a video clip on Twitter, floating around on Twitter, and I was like, "Yeah, he did." And there is a there is a screenshot of um, Joe comes out with like blood on his shoulder because he's yeah. up. <laughs> he's clearly broken up the the brawl as well. So yeah, this is the thing. And here's the thing: we never know. Going to know exactly what happened. Yeah, and by all of the best independent accounts that went into investigation this week, CM Punk was in the wrong, and he got his contract terminated, because that's mm. the way it goes. It's it's a, wrestling, it's a wrestling company. Yes, it's a company. They have HR mm. departments. Their first primary objective is to keep their employees safe. And though mm. some of the matches in this card, you would not think that. <laughs> um, however, their job is to make sure that, that people are safe from the stock. Yeah. You can't just go around making people up. And Regardless, I mean, I, I have this conversation with friends of mine who are punk fans or punk will defend punk to the death. Mm. And it's like, especially after the, if you want to listen to my in-depth thoughts on this, if you want to go back to about a year, because me and Chelsea exactly a year ago mm. did the All Out um, uh, podcast and our thoughts on punk then. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Chelsea was like, I'm not saying he needs, he needs, mental health but he, he needs he needs to talk to some people because he's going through things that he doesn't need to be going through to yeah say all the stuff that's it he's so shaped by the experiences he had in wwe's we know he's a crabby guy he always has been but the kind of paranoia and and things like that it's all kind of come into this aw experience and yeah, so I'll let you finish your point and then I'll I'll come back on this. I mean, I, I think I think you know there is I think that's one thing. But this incident is you cannot beat up people and expect. Yeah, exactly. Up. Yeah. Yes, and that he's lucky he's not been prosecuted <laughs> at that point. You know, and it's like I know it'll be oh it's all the boys and girls in the back and they'll look after each other. And they probably won't prosecute. No, but you still can't beat people up. Yeah, <laughs> not, just, you can't do that in any job. You know, that's just not the way it works. You know. If a UFC fighter had a crack at another UFC fighter at a press conference, mm. they would get fired because they know why I wouldn't have that because that's not the way it goes. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the guy, doesn't it? Well, it does. White lets get away yeah. with it and who he doesn't. But yeah, there are instances of, you know, Paul yeah. Daly being the famous one of throwing a punch after the bell and he never worked in the UFC again. So, yeah, yeah it does happen. Yeah, and that's, that's the one issue. The issue of of punk in general is mm. another issue. Yeah. But I go back to what Alan Cheapshot said about ooh, two and a half years ago, just just after Punk got signed. And he pointed out on a he pointed out on Twitter one day that 
and he was absolutely right. What happens when you put one of the most in what's the word when you put one of the most um you didn't say toxic but he did volatile say, volatile yeah and one of the most volatile personalities in wrestling history in a locker room that is incredibly tight and well motivated mm. because two years ago there were no cracks in that locker room yeah and since he's been there everyone falls out all the time mm. and i'm not saying that it's his fault because there was obvious cracks that were going to come up as you make people start. Sammy Guevara is a good, Guevara is a good, good example. Yeah. Uh, and Taylor Conti, who were, uh, you know, the, as they got pushed, they pushed the wrong buttons with the fans and therefore they had to turn and da 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 da, mm. da, da, da and therefore it causes problems within the back because of da 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 da, da and stuff. Um, there's obviously going to be nothing static. Um, but I'm wondering if he did exacerbate those situations just by demanding and getting what he got to come back to pro wrestling. Because then, you know, this was a locker room that was built on everyone gets a fair crack, and then a guy comes in who's clearly getting more than a fair crack. Yeah. To, to be honest, I don't think it was that. It all seems to be rooted in... Because if you look at the first year of him being there, maybe a bit less. I can't remember the timelines quite, but mm. everyone seemed very happy and people were loving him being back. I think he was getting on with the majority of people backstage. It seems like, and it's still wild to me that this is the root of it, that Colt Cabana is the root of so many of these issues, but, um, and he's not really done anything either. Like, no. just, it's just <laughs> like, it's all kind of rooted in that, um, which, is the root of it is silly to me because Cabana and Punk fell out for a bunch of reasons. It should be between them. Why are a bunch of wrestlers then wading into this just because they're friends with one guy and other people are friends with another guy? It's like we're not in high school here, guys. Like we're all adults. Um, and I think, yeah, I really, really wish that Tony Khan had got a handle on it all earlier because you do wonder what would have happened if he just sat them down, you know, when there was all this stuff of Hangman was annoyed at Punk because of this Cabana stuff and he felt like he'd got him moved to Ring of Honor and there's all, all this kind of talk and that's where seems to be kind of the root of it and then you're taking a guy who's already paranoid and crabby from <laughs> WWE and it's just going to exacerbate the situation. And it feels like it could have been de-escalated if they just had a sit-down meeting. There's reports now coming out today that there was a meeting with them a week ago, booked, and it never happened. And that's, you sort of think, what if that meeting had gone ahead between yeah. the elite and punk and they had hashed things out, got a handle on this? Um, maybe things might have been different. You never know, but... Yeah, I, 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 it goes back to what me and Chelsea were saying a, a year ago. Like, you see people come in like Danielson and Classic Gnarly, mm. and they have such a positive influence. Yeah, them. that's it. And it is like, and I know that Punk did work with people and stuff mm. when he was there, but you know, it just didn't get the same play. As mm. you know, Daniel Bryan essentially runs 
an open house in, in Castig Noli and sometimes Moxley and we were uh, run an open house training session before each TV taping. Mm. Come and learn something if you want to. You don't have to if you don't want to, but we're more welcome to help you out. You know, she's done, he's done all, they've done all of that stuff. And Punk doesn't, not saying that Punk doesn't do that, but mm. there's not enough recognition of it. Therefore, he comes out as he's the guy that's riding on the coattails of other people. And then, mm. There's a, the, 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 the stuff from the all out thing as well. It's like, you know, there was the story from the punk side that the elite came down and bashed the door down. The elite were like, no, we didn't. We just went through the door. Perhaps yeah. Knocked, but we did go through the door. And it's just like, again, you can't start a fight with two executives. Like, yeah, literally. Like, yeah. So you can't, you can, yeah, it's like. It seems like by all accounts, that was a bit more either side's. Punk probably being more at fault, definitely, but there was an either sides thing, whereas this yeah. seems like a very different situation. And you, it's interesting you say about the the advice part, because any part of Punk's frustration maybe is that he was offering advice to people, maybe they weren't taking it. That seemed to annoy him with the hangman stuff. It feels like this Jack Perry thing was rooted in that because it came from him saying you don't want to use a real glass bottle right in a spot which punk is correct on ultimately like, that would have been really stupid i think i think yeah i think i think the i think the the hangman stuff was justified on hangman's part and hangman explained it it was like mm. i got where i was by being myself yeah and i think that what i'm doing is the right way of going about it and then said i'm not and he said i don't take offense from people trying to offer me advice well, that doesn't mean I'm going to listen to it. Yeah. Which is perfectly yeah. within his rights to do. And you yeah. shouldn't get angry about because you just didn't do it. But the Jack Carrot thing is just common sense. Yeah. Like, don't stick your hand in that fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, you can kind of see why things did escalate, but it's... Yeah. It's it's all just so... It's it's Ultimately, the root of it is it's so disappointing because, you know... It's so disappointing, but also inevitable. Yeah, it is, and it, that's it. It's, it's very... Um, it's it, the, the, the <laughs> played that, out. The thing yeah. is, as well, is, like, Stan Hansen was a prickly character, too. Mm. But he bodged off to all Japan and had six months of earning ridiculous money for Baba and then went back and wasn't as prickly. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he met got, some real tough guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? He was like, yeah. you know, he, he knew what side his bread was buttered on. So he would do things, and so he, he admitted he regretted some of the things he did. He mm. did some rough, rough stuff in the States because he knew yeah. he was going to pay these somewhere else, but and therefore he always had a backup plan. Whereas Punk doesn't have that option, you know, it's, it's like he's burned bridges wherever he's gone. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not wanting for money, is he? So I think no. he'll be fine on that front. He's earned um, then. <laughs> I was talking with Chris, he's old San Erico on Twitter this morning, and he said, I'd like to see Punk do the Indies, but I know he never would. I said, yeah, but no one would have him any day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and Cyberfight probably have the money to get him as well. Yeah. <laughs> Kenny yeah. versus CM Punk? Oh, that'd be amazing. But anyone. Maybe he'll go back to WWE. You never know. You see him, he's... Um, apologize to some people there now, hasn't he? So you, it would be wild if that happened. But yeah, anyway, it was like you say, it was. It's almost played out in the inevitable way, and it's it's sort of you've seen both sides of CM Punk throughout this because 
whatever people want to try and rewrite this as, it is one of the greatest return runs we've ever seen. Like oh, the, yeah. The feuds he had with MJF, um, Kingston, Joe recently, like, there was so much fun stuff. Like, MJF came out the other side of that. That's what set him up for this run going into him being yeah. basically the biggest guy in the company. You know, that work, that feud set him up so well. So the idea that Punk didn't help make guys and didn't have great matches is just I'm not, not, I'm not in, in anything true. No, you're not saying that, but you, no. you see you see those takes online. It's like, oh, what a disappointing return. It's like, it was anything but a disappointing return. Behind the scenes is a different conversation, but in terms of his output, you, you can't really dispute it. And you sort of got both sides of a phenomenal in-ring and on-mic return with um, him being uh, a crabby, paranoid bastard backstage, basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then, let's go to the next match. Bullet Club, Jay White and Juice Robinson. Oh, sorry, Bullet Club Gold. Um, the Bang Tegu, Bang Gang. <laughs> yeah, Tango with Kinsiki Takeshita, who was associated with Lurid, accompanied by Austin Gunn, Carlton Gunn and Don Callis. Evil, easily the most hated man in the building by yeah. a long, long way. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, they went up against the Golden Elite, Kenny Omega, Hangman Adam Page, and Kota Ibushi. 20 minutes and 30 seconds. Bullet Club Gold take the win when Takeshita mm. actually gets a roll-up pinfall on Kenny Omega, which is kind of a disappointing story to tell at the end, but perfectly makes sense once you've watched the match, because obviously with these lunatics involved, it was going to be all over the place. Mm. And I, what what kind of got me about Juice Robinson and Jay White's run in AEW up until now, up until mm. about the last month, because I'm not a regular yeah. AEW watcher, I don't watch every week, I catch bits and pieces, is they didn't look special. Now they look special. Yeah. Like Jay White looks as special as he did as the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. And um, Juice Robinson looks more special than he did in New Japan, to be honest. Mm. Um, and they're kind of owning the show as far as collision is concerned, which might have been another great for punk. Um, but, <laughs> um, but that's that's what Jay White does. He just kind of gets under your skin and all of a sudden he's the biggest guy in the company. Um, and so, yeah, like, this match was great. It's one of my favourites on the card, for sure. Um, and, you know, I, I was surprised that Kota was kind of toned down for this. Because mm. me and Marcus, two weeks ago, were watching Moonsault off the balcony at Sumo Hall. Yeah. Late. <laughs> it's kind of like, this was kind of like subdued Kota. But we got all the big spots. We got the Golden Triangle. And we yeah. got, you know, you got everything you'd want from a Golden Lovers match, everything you'd want from a Bullet Club Gold match. It, it was sweet. This match was great. They have got awfully good chrome chemistry. Takeshita and Kenny Omega tonight at All Out will be phenomenal. Yeah, too sweet the match was. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. This, this was great. I mean, the Ibushi thing was interesting because it was like he was almost... The, the spare man in a way but he wasn't but do you know what I mean like compared to um I think the other five guys in the match and part of that is just because the others are so ingrained in AEW now I guess as well mm -hmm. um, yeah abs absolutely agree with you on Jay White and Juice Robinson as well in terms of yeah which which is funny you know when we were talking about the punk stuff and collision was basically created for that and then 
yeah, Jay White and Juice Robinson have had the time and space there to develop into, you know, what we we knew they were um and you know really deliver on the the star power that they both have obviously the the matches they had with ftr the the two out of three falls match was just incredible like one of the best tv matches ever probably so mm. having a match that good definitely helps as well um but yeah jay white on obviously the mic work has has really come to the the forefront recently um and juice robinson is mad as a character which really really works um probably more in in us wrestling than it does in in japanese wrestling so you can see why that's really getting over um and yeah like you say this was obviously fantastic it's six of the most talented wrestlers in the game <laughs> in a trios match you put them all in a melting pot like this you know it's going to be phenomenal um i do you know obviously selfishly want to see some of these guys not in a multi-man match when they do this again next year you know kenny omega in particular was the most over guy in the match you know he was getting chance throughout and they need to get that man in a singles match uh, all in next year because just selfishly i want to see that life you know um but yeah we you know we the finish sorry was yeah like you say was was the right move really in terms of you know they've done all the crazy stuff throughout loads of fun spots all the breakups of pins all the counters back and forth you've got all the big spots like you say with um you know the golden triangle things like that um and then we it's the right call at the end really with again the kind of the unselfishness of of kenny to know that you know he will take pins in these matches a lot to further these storylines and you know Takeshita kind of had to get the win um the the cheating win with the roll up and the tights but they've obviously that then sets up the follow-up match at all out really nicely so yeah it, it basically was everything we expected it to be just a mad six-man match loads of star power loads of great talent and then really the right the right call in terms of the finish at the end and like you say Don Callis um the most hated guy in the building so there was tremendous heat on that as well yes absolutely Oh, right, then where are we next? FTR, Cash Wheeler and Dax Hartwood successfully defend the AW World Tag Team Championships against the Young Bucks in, for me, my favourite match on the card by mm. a long way. This was, you forget how good the Bucks are <laughs> and to watch them, because they don't, because they've got quagmired in being heels and, mm. and storyboard stuff, storyline stuff for so long. When they just have a straight wrestling match, it's, it's a bit of a surprise. <laughs> um, so having a straight wrestling match against FDR was exceptionally good. Um, just love this match. It was really, really cool. Just really enjoyed it. And mm -hmm. Nothing else to say about it. It's just like it's the, the, <laughs> the, the best matches I've seen in AEW uh, actually aren't AEW, the Ring of Honor. And mm. it was the Briscoes versus FDR. And yeah. nothing AEW's done. All Ring of Honor's done lately will match those, and this was getting close to that. You know, yeah. this was this was this was bang on what it should be, um, and 
you know, it's like the funny enough, my the only thing that would make this better is best is reforce, I think. That was mm. that was the kind of thing I put it was like they don't have the time to do that. Twenty one yeah. minutes for a match in the middle of the car was a long period of time, especially what was coming up. Um and it was it wasn't as emotionally draining as the previous match as well, which helped because mm. there's not as much investment quite because they've had the first two matches. So this match is kind of like building a little bit more again because it's been such a long time since the first two matches. So it was good that it wasn't quite as emotionally built up. So you could kind of relax into it a little bit and then you kind of like kind of drag me along. And that's what a great mm. match would do. So I really enjoyed this. This was this was my favorite thing on the my favorite thing on the card. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's up there for me as well. Like it was phenomenal um, live, particularly the closing stretch. I mean, the two out of three falls stuff. You're right, and I think they're going, they're going to do it inevitably down the line. You you know they will. That's got to be like the decider when they get there because there's so many more legs in in this. Yeah. Um, one thing that was interesting, be interested to get your your thoughts on the opening part of the match because. In the stadium, I don't know if you felt this, it felt like from where I was sat that the energy was starting to dip a bit when yeah. they were making the walkouts for this, which obviously it was a massive match. It's the third in their series, two of the best tag teams ever. Um, and now, yeah, maybe this was different on the floor, I don't know, but it felt like energy was lower as the match started. My thinking at the time was, you know, we're third match in, well, you know, more matches, but third match on the main card in, the show's been really strong. People were catching their breath a bit almost. But, yes. Yeah. I but yeah, when I was looking on Twitter, yeah. um, there were some people who were watching it at home, like the opening of the match was a bit flat to them. So I, I don't know what your your thoughts no, are. No, I, I, I would agree. They they mm. worked hard to get the crowd into the match. Mm. Um, and everybody was doing an iron by the end, which is no problem. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you're right. I think people were getting tired. Yeah, that, it, that would be just, more... They, they, you, like, you, you've got... First, the first match was lightning fast. The second match was blood and violence. Third match was blood and violence. Fourth yeah. match was, um, it wasn't violent, but it just didn't stop. It was relentless. Yeah. So Six you for the best, yeah, fastest yeah, guys in yeah. the business. Yeah. So you like you, you've got to take your breath. And this the the major issue I have with this show was pacing. Mm. Like I felt it drag, not just here, um, but later in the show as well. Like the the Darby Allen Sting Christian Cage for a Strickland match, it didn't drag, but yeah. it shouldn't have. It didn't have the pop it should have had. Yeah, it was. Um, it wasn't so much dragging. It was like there were no almost lulls to catch your breath. It was yeah. just here's another big match. Here's another big match, which yeah. is a is a common thing with AEW shows. I mean, I'd I'd rather that if the two issues when we're talking about oh, it's not like a WrestleMania where they'll have yeah half an hour of nonsense so the the crowd can catch their breath i'd much rather pack it with rest them but yeah it does sometimes have that de I mean, detrimental effect as well yeah this this is why tariano was employed by new japan for a rest he's there and that's that's why he's there yeah. but seriously him and Taguchi will always have a job because they can entertain you for 15 yeah. minutes and have a good wrestling match when they, the when, they to, yeah. when they yeah. need to, when they need to, they'll stick you in the middle of the card, and it it gives you a breather. Yeah, you know, that's that's the that's you need guys like that. The, the QT Marshall guys, like I was talking about, mm. were nowhere to be seen on this card, and perhaps they could have had a, they could have had a couple of those matches in 
just to space things out and saved something for all out as well. Um, but I know that's not the way EW works, and that's fine, but then they're open to criticism at this joint from that particular point of view. Yeah, agree. And But uh, yeah, it seems like you're with me that it was more mm. the pacing of the show, because I think some people were like, why is the start of this match flat? And thinking it was like to do with the guys in the ring, which, yeah, I don't no, think no, it, it was. was it, yeah. Everyone was shattered by that point. You, you're yeah. taking people on a roller coaster. You've literally had seven, eight, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour and 10 minutes of great pure wrestling, like some of the best yeah. wrestling you'll ever see. And go breathe. Yeah. And like yeah. you say, they, they really, really got the crowd into it once they got caught. Because yeah. it was phenomenal by the end. And that's, you know, the books maybe, I think their act is maybe getting gotten a bit stale in terms of like the character and stuff like that but in the ring it's just again the reminder that one of the absolute best <laughs> tag teams in the business ever you know and it was both of both these teams are and it was yeah it was phenomenal down the stretch maybe maybe too many false finishes <laughs> if anything to be honest but live in the stadium that stuff was hitting hard like people were biting on the finishes the you know all the all the finisher kickouts, the callbacks to other matches. They did like the spot of how the Bucks won the first match of Cash missing the 450 into the super kick, um, which then he kicked out of. And they did. Um, I think the Bucks hit like the shatter machine on FTR, then hit the um, hit the BTE trigger, and everyone was like biting on that being the finish, and it wasn't. And that yeah, there was so much of that that. Yeah, um, I'll need to give it a proper watch back to see how it sort of translates on TV of whether that was slightly too much. But live in the building, it was tremendous because they had people in the palm of their hand by that point, which is, yeah, to both teams credit and how talented they are. And obviously the cash has got a gun chant was incredibly funny. There's no way around it. It was an incredibly funny chant. <laughs> <laughs> I will say though, nine of the room of one world tag league. Well, there you um, go. Yeah, I see. Ambition one half, so therefore they're the best tag team. <laughs> Just saying. Just Still saying. <laughs> Still so. <time. laughs> Who did they beat at Wrestle Kingdom? FDR. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> Anywho, was two. That was, was that last year. Yeah, it was last year. Just a bloody long time ago. I know. Did yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like longer ago, but yeah, it was just January when they dropped those belts to Bishamon. Yes. Anywho, let us move on to oh, one of the reasons why I went. Uh, Eddie <laughs> Kingston, Pento, <laughs> best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, along with Orange Cassidy, defeated Blackpool Combat Club, John Boxley, Claudio Castagnoli, Rita Utah, who were accompanied by Santana and Ortiz by Pinfall uh, when we were Utah laid out Claudio Castagnoli with the Orange Punch. This was brilliant. Just absolute madness. Top yeah. to <laughs> Loved it. Eddie Kingston versus Claudio Castagnoli is the reason why wrestling is great. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just, I, this is the thing. Eddie's always right. And this, this is <laughs> what you have to come to learn because essentially I, I don't see AEW as AEW. I see AEW with Shikara with that platform. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. for me, this is perfect. This is exactly why I, I do watch AEW. Because uh, the guys next to me said, oh, there's just so much going on. I said, just, just watch 
Eddie and watch, <laughs> watch, watch Claudio because they hate each other and they've been beating each other up for 15 years now. Mm. And that's all you need to watch. And I followed them for most of the match. Um, yeah. But this the, the whole thing was just brilliant, along with Sue coming out in the minivan half. <laughs> yeah, what a pop for that. Last, <laughs> <laughs> it just everything was epic about this match and exactly what you want it to be. And I, Orange Cassidy really is the biggest name in the company now, in one mm. sense. Like, he's most recognisable. He's so over. And he's yeah. taken that belt that no one cared about it and made it vital. And mm. that's the important thing. And he's, he's, he's just great. Yeah, um, and yeah. just and this was kind of like the thing that's really going to push him over the edge of like how great he can possibly be. Yeah, no, the rise of Orange Cassidy from obviously when he came in and people were like, you know, some people just were not convinced that gimmick was going to be any more than, you know, a little fun gimmick for a while. But the way he's kind of kept adding layers to it and, yeah, he was, you know, basically working like a hardcore legend in this one. He's got so many strings to his bow that, yeah, him and him and MJF are far and away the biggest stars in this in this company at the moment. And it's been, yeah, phenomenal to see him, his rise, really, and how how popular he is. Yeah, the Kingston um, Claudio stuff, like you say, it's the commitment to it and just this this story just continuing and continuing and. Yeah, it's that thing of people joke of like, does Eddie know wrestling isn't real? Like, does he? <laughs> he's just so committed. I'm not. So... Sh- I'm not sure, but I know he hates Claudio Castagnoli. Yeah, yeah. And he's hated him for a very, very long period of time. Yeah, it's just so good that they just keep carrying that thread through. And you know, even when Claudio was a baby face when he came in, and Eddie was like, "Yeah, but I still hate him," and it, they just yeah. kept going for. For the whole time. Um, and yet, yeah, yeah, Eddie Kingston again is basically the other biggest star in this company because he's just so he's just so damn good and so real. And when we're talking about opportunities for guys, he never would have got a chance in WWE. And for him to be in AW as high up as he is and such a feature part of the show, um, and on a card this big really speaks volumes. Um, yeah, like you say, it was an insane match this it was essentially anarchy in the re- in the arena style it wasn't like a classic stadium stampede which are a bit wackier but obviously they can't call it anarchy in the arena because it was in a stadium so they had to call it stadium stampede but <laughs> it was very much the majority of it was sort of in the arena area you know claudio and eddie were battling all over the shop but a lot of the stuff was happening you know entrance way around the ring, in the ring, that kind of stuff. And it was a nice one actually to be up in up in the gods for a little bit because you could really get a proper yeah. look at the chaos that was going on because obviously those matches, I, I think, are a, a bit of a nightmare from a production standpoint because they're trying to cut between all the spots that are happening. So having that overhead view on all the mad stuff that was going on was quite cool. As you say, Eddie and Claudio were the main ones that kept catching my eye because they were, yeah, they appeared in a stand quite near to us and they were just battering each other over there. They were going all over the the stadium, basically. But yeah, it was so many wild spots. It's one of those where we could just list off <laughs> how many spots there were. Like. Oh, yeah. My, my favourite, though, and it's, it's always the basic stuff, is 
Awful waffle from. Awful waffle. I was just. It's like him landing awful waffle in the middle of 81,000 people. Yeah. And they just scream, awful waffle. It was very. I like, breathe. Yeah, that is the. Yeah. One of the best finishes ever. And I get why he doesn't do it because it's so tricky to pull off smoothly. But. Yeah. Oh, used to, <laughs> so I, yeah, good. but he used to. Like with his Shikari, he did it every week. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he's he's done versions of it in AEW, but never like yeah. the classic. Um, yeah, awful waffle, which is yeah. yeah. That him pulling that out was amazing. Um, but that, I mean, and there's there's another guy as well, Chuck Taylor. Like Chuck yeah. Taylor is a New Japan main eventer, and he wrestled <laughs> on the biggest show of all time. There you and go. Six <laughs> years ago, when Chikara broke up, he was like, I may as well retire. Yeah. And that's it. The opportunities that are coming for these guys through the uh, there being another company is awesome. And yeah, like you say, this was like the center point of the show of all these great guys slightly thrown together as well, in a way, with some of the names like Penta being in there and, you know, them bringing back um, Santana and Ortiz for this. But it works because it's just a completely chaotic match. And yeah, the the moment at the end as well when we talk about Eddie like the tackling mocks through the table and then just like flipping each other off while they're covered in blood and uh, yeah Orange Cassidy covering his fist in glass it was there was so much mad stuff like, <laughs> um yeah the best friends hug on Utah where they like did the spot and then started battering him they had like the the on the graphic Orange Cassidy's graphic when they did the walkout of them like the drawing of them holding Yuta's head was very funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, and you, but yeah, you mentioned like Sue making the appearance, which got such a big pop. Um, the skewers in Mox's head, obviously, yeah. he had to do that in Wembley, didn't he? And um, annoy all the correct people who don't actually know anything about wrestling history and hardcore wrestling history. So, yeah, that was grim to see but very entertaining and very classic mocks that he's like biggest show ever i'm gonna have to put skewers in my head it's the only way um yes yeah it was just exactly what we thought it would be too many spots to name it was absolute chaos and it was it was wonderful basically (laughs) all right then we move on to saraya hakura shida dr brick baker and tony storm for the aw women's championship um, Soraya wins, and I have no problem with that. It was the obvious mm. thing to do, British Star and stuff. But equally, this is where the wheels came off. This match and, mm-hmm. the, and one of the match in the sky were like, because Soraya was pushed as a, a heel all the way up until the opening of this match, where she comes out with the Night Family, which mm. is nice to see them get some recognition. They're not necessarily the nicest people in the world, but you know. Yeah, a lot for wrestling in the UK. You can't deny that they haven't. Uh, that's it. It was one of those where it's like, ah, oh, let's just not um, let's not unpack it and just appreciate <laughs> the moment. <laughs> like, yeah, I am not happy if Hiroshima lost because she's obviously yeah. one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, and this was just way too short. It was just like eight yeah. minutes. But what they were trying to pack into this match, it just like this sort of, this match needed to be twenty five minutes long. Mm. To at least com- 15 minutes, at least give yeah. them 15, yeah. Yeah, but to be convincing that Tony Storm was turning on Soraya, which they did a good job of in the time yeah. they had, but it just meant the ending came like flat. Yeah, it was, it, like, it was really abrupt, the ending, unfortunately. Yeah. And it was like, 
if they'd had more time, then this would have made a lot more sense. But equally, of all the matches on this, there's at least one match they didn't need on this card. Um, but yeah, it, it, there was nothing wrong with it, but it could mm. have been so much better. Yeah, that was fully my take as well. It was too short. And that's, you know, from, like I said, I think the show overall was great. But there are, you know, there are a few criticisms you can obviously throw at AEW. And one of them is you can't just have a one women's match on the show when you've got yeah. a roster as deep as you have. And you keep, like you say, they keep cutting to Mercedes Monet in the in the stands. And it's like... If you're bringing in someone of that magnitude, if that happens, you need to fucking do better with this this division, basically. Yeah. You know, not having like Chris Statlander on the card and and doing that on All Out instead. Like, why? Why is that not on this card? But and yeah, giving this about nine minutes is is not good enough. And the problem you have with this is that self fulfilling prophecy of if the division isn't booked as important then you get swathes of people, which this happened and was very annoying of people going to the toilet when they realise that it's going to be the women's match next. And then yeah. that in turn is not going to convince the company that they should put more effort into the division. So it's sort of a a really, it's it's a negative cycle, if you like. And it's, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so, so that was disappointing but... because like you, you say, it was... For the time they got, this was great. And I, it was really, really cooking along nicely, I thought. Some of the spots they packed in, they you know, they were really creative. The curb stomp from Brit to Tony as Soraya had her locked in that submission. I was like, that is such a cool idea. And they pulled it off so well. And, and yeah, they did the Soraya, Tony Storm, the turn and, and all that kind of stuff really well. But it did feel rushed. The, the ending was abrupt um you know it was because it was a good finish it just came way too early of you know the spray in the eyes it all made sense it was just yeah they did they didn't have enough time to to work with which which was a shame um i mean like you say saraya going over kind of the obvious call um <laughs> coming out to we will rock you was very like uh, and we couldn't get Emi Sakura on the card, which seems, <laughs> seems a bit wrong. But um, yeah, it seemed a bit erroneous. But like you say, she got the big walkout moment with her family. Let's not unpack that too much. But nice <laughs> moment on the surface. Um, the best entrance of the four, obviously, was Tony Storm coming out to God Save the Queen, which popped me hard. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I'm loving the the character she's doing at the moment, which I think is just so funny. And she's leaning into it further on the most recent Dynamite after the split with Soraya. It's just, yeah, it's really, really good. It's adding like an extra element because we, we know how good she is in the ring. So yeah, yeah it's I mean, great that she's getting to showcase that side as well. I mean, they, they also flew in Ruby Soho to do like a running spot in this match. So it's not like they yeah. didn't have the time to produce it properly. It's just didn't have it. enough time. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, it may have been different if Jamie Hayter was available. I think we'd have got a, probably a much more workhorse 20-minute match vibe. And obviously it's got in. She couldn't be there. You can imagine the the reaction she would have got if Jamie Hayter was on this card. And hopefully she'll be she'll be available for all in next year. Um, but yeah, obviously got the feel good England win at the end. And, you know, 
all the other stuff, you know, were kind of dancing around. But the, at the end of the day, Soraya nearly had a career ended, basically, because of that neck injury. Like, it is one of the worst neck injuries there's ever been. So for her to be able to come back and, and get this moment in Wembley is a cool thing. And I guess the question for me, outside the other stuff, is what's the plan now for the longer term? You know, this felt like a short term Soraya wins in England it's like but what's next you know yeah is, is this a short reign you know Shida could win it back Tony Storm's there Jamie Hayter hopefully is going to return in the next couple of months is that the thinking it's a short run and we get the belt back on someone else that was just for the pop or is this seen as a bit more of a longer term thing because I don't think Soraya can wrestle regularly you know she's being smartly saved for big shows because they don't want to risk it for obvious reasons so is that sustainable when you're a champion you know we saw with MGF they were doing the he only wrestles occasionally because of his character and as soon as he started wrestling more and more on TV he's become more and more popular because people remember how good he actually is in the ring so I think it's it'll be an interesting one to track that in terms of where they go forward with Soraya as champion it's the same as anything else. It's time. Mm. You, know, you put you put people more hype. Jay White gets over because he's done a yeah. million match. So just you know, Juice Robinson's the same. Like if if you see people on television more than you normally do, yeah. you're gonna think they're some good. And that is, that is the biggest issue. And I, there's been discussion about this as well. I don't necessarily think it's a Tony Khan issue that the women's division is bad because mm. I watch Ring of Honor and Athena's everywhere. And she may yeah. have invented the last show. Yeah. No, so, you're right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's I don't always think... the sense that Athena should be on AW TV more because she's phenomenal, but that's potentially a separate thing. Yeah, I think the issue, I think the issue, I think the issue is a TNT HCBS thing. I don't think they mm. believe in it as much as they should do. Yeah. But, like, but again, you're right about the self self-fulfilling prophecy thing. They're not getting anywhere until like in many ways, a couple of years ago, when they were concentrating on the Joshi wrestlers, like in Chia's mm. first run, the women were better off because they were having better matches and longer matches because they were purely workhorse matches. Yeah. But, but because you brought story into it, you now don't have to have long matches, which is another excuse to keep them short. Yeah, but then they kind of were, obviously, this run that they've just had of, you know, Tony Storm, Jamie Hayter, um, Tony Storm again, Sheeda's not really had enough time to have another run with the belt, but it felt like that was coming back. I mean, mm. Jamie Hayter and Sheeda, the match they had, what, end of, was it end of last year or early this year? But it was phenomenal anyway. That was one of the best matches Um AEW's probably put on. It was it was stunning. So and Tony Storm and Sheeda had that great match a few weeks ago. So like you say, when they're allowed to do it, they show off what they can do. It's just is the yeah. is the um the interest there from the TV companies because every time they're given the ball, they um <laughs> to use a CM Punk phrase, ironically, but they hit out the park, run, catch the ball themselves, <laughs> you know, show what how good they really are. Yeah, we'll have to see, I guess. Um, mm. But mm. anywho, let us move on. Darby Allen and Sting defeat Christian Gage and Swerve Strickland in a coffin match in 16 minutes. This was very entertaining. Mm. What it was, and it was kind of the only reason this was to Sting got a big entrance at, 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 in a massive show. And I'm fine with that. 
This was yeah. literally 30 years to the month, I think, since Sting's first UK tour. His first UK tour was with WCW in two, 1993. He won the title in London on the first night and dropped it in Dublin on the last night and mm. was champion for a week. And wrestled, yeah. wrestled, <laughs> how about that? Fly all the way from, fly all the way from Atlanta to London mm-hmm. to wrestle Big Van Vader for a week. <laughs> 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 I could think of more easy ways to make a living, but there you go. <laughs> um, um, yeah, so this match was, I mean, it, 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 again, it was more story orientated, but you've got one mm-hmm. guy who's 63 years old, so it can't be yeah. anything else. If, if anything, it was probably a little long, but other than yeah. that, I can't really say anything bad about it. Yeah, it was. Yeah, what we thought would be, which was, yeah, a really, really fun, entertaining match. Like you say, for them to follow the women's match at nine minutes with this being like 60 minutes, like we probably could have mixed up the, you know, the the timings a bit more. So it was a bit more equal at least. But yeah, obviously three words for you, Seek and Destroy. What mm-hmm. a fucking moment that was. And yeah. We can say a lot of things about Tony Khan, but he will shell out for those pricey pieces of music for a great moment. You know, he obviously did Final Countdown a few months ago for Danielson. It was amazing. So, yeah, that was that was such a cool moment. Um, Swerve's entrance was great, too, with him getting wrapped to the ring. He came off as such a star. Um, everyone shouting Swerve's house in unison was was incredible. Although confusing because Soraya had just said it was her house moments before. So whose house is it really? But anyway, (laughs) um, Swerve gets some gold on this man immediately. Like he is so, so good. Like he's another one who like was fine in WWE. I'm sure he would have done fine, but he's just been reinvigorated he's a bigger star in AEW he's he's phenomenal they they need to push him to the bloody moon as far as I'm concerned and yeah the match was we know what we're getting from Sting matches at this point in his career <laughs> they're always fun he will throw himself off stuff he did obviously the table thing it didn't break the first time so he goes back up and he does it again <laughs> make sure that it breaks for the big show um yeah, I'm sure Swerve and Christian were having the time of their lives being part of a match against Sting in Wembley. Darby Allen obviously being a nutter, as he always is. Like, the coffin drop on the coffin was inevitable. Um, feel like his back is probably not in a good way after that, but he had to do it. And, yeah, the, lots of cool stuff. Um, yeah, did, did exactly what we, we expected, really, and was great. And then... Obviously, the only slight, I guess, gripe maybe for some people was Edge did not show up, which I think people maybe were thinking might happen. We'll see what happens there with his contract situation. But I know- it was, he didn't wrestle in WWE the following night. I know he hadn't left at that point. Yeah. So it, I don't, I don't know the timeline stuff, but like, yeah, no, he he hadn't gone at that point. It wouldn't have been possible for him to go. He had his last match like the following night on Raw. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think there were reports initially that that wasn't going to happen, and then yeah, so that makes makes sense because I think when Christian got added to the match, people were like, oh, maybe they could <laughs> this could actually happen, but they moved on quickly into the next match, so no one really had a chance <laughs> to think about it, which was smart. Yeah, it was. It was also um, 
it was also Joker Sting, and we did get to see mm, yes, from, it the, was, yeah. from the TNA days the black tower cricket bat rather than the baseball <laughs> bat, which I, think, I always think is very cool. Very culturally aware <laughs> of Sting. Yeah, you've got to mix it up, you know, when you get to get to different countries. <laughs> oh, and okay. that spot where they tried to close the coffin and it the bat blocked the, the coffin being <laughs> shut was very good as well. It was, yeah, it was that was cool. And Streetwing did have his dreadlocks outside of the cat. Oh, yeah, I saw people pointing that out. I was yeah. like, technically, technically. Which, which he could run with of like I didn't technically lose the match. It wasn't yeah. 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 We will have to see. Right, obviously, the next match was entirely designed to aggravate me to the most you possibly can. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to have one of these conversations again. I went, for, I went for a wee, and unfortunately, it was still happening when I came back. Um, <laughs> I've, been, I've been holding on for three hours. I was hoping it would be long enough to, to have missed this match. <laughs> well, oh, Osprey, this is the moment where we, we disagree, isn't it? Well, I, I, mean, I, I, I mean, like... At the end of the day, they had the match Ghetto wanted them to have. Mm. It was completely predictable. Um, it, we should say who it is. It's Paul Osprey versus Chris Jericho. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we go any further. And, People probably got it from the context <laughs> of our previous conversation. Um, it, it, uh, it was all right. It happened. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm never going to enjoy it because it's got Osprey in it. And I, was, I, know, I, 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 know. Like, I like to see, I like seeing Jericho doing the reverse Rhino. Like, oh, that's nice. That's something different. Yeah. I've done that before. But it was, it was like, but when he kicked out of Stormbreaker, I'm like, oh yeah, it's this match's politics writ large because yeah. the mates. So they're going to have the match that they want to have. To yeah, as someone pointed out on Twitter, they had the match to protect the legacies they're trying to transmit, which mm. is true because Jericho wants to be seen as the guy who puts people over. And yeah. Osprey wants to be seen as the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's like it, it, it was fine, but it was just predictable faff. It wasn't <laughs> the and the other was ex, there's execution issues as well. As like Osprey's being cheered, but he's a heel, and he came out in red, white, and blue gear, being managed yeah. by the most hated man in the company. Yeah. I mean that it's was like, that was always yeah that was yeah, always so it's, happen, it's, but so you're right like, yeah yeah so either make sure that Jericho's the heel and run Osprey as a baby face and don't have Callus involved mm. which you can't do because he's tied up with Callus and he's tied up with Omega um probably not come out <laughs> probably not do a bunch of promos where he comes across as annoying chap. <laughs> I'm really um, well, he's from Essex, don't you know? <laughs> and he has to get more British with every promo, apparently. <sighs> Rub. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just uh, the, the only thing that's really intriguing me about Osprey is he's got a few of Yotosuji in Japan, and Yotosuji, mm. as promised, to make the United States Championship the EU Championship. Yeah. He wins it at Dominion, Very which funny. Is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my yeah, life. Yeah, tremendous thing. So it's absolutely awesome, and I will, I will, I will howl with laughter when that happens. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so... I think I think I enjoyed it more than you did. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> well, to be honest, thing I think I've enjoyed a root canal more than this. So. <laughs> well, yeah. It, it, there was nothing, and this is this is the thing is. There's guys around me who also clearly hated Osprey because they were chanting, they were chanting for Jericho all the way through, which right. warmed my dark heart. <laughs> um, and then the guy next to me was like, "Oh, Osprey's amazing!" And I'm like, 
<laughs> so he spent 10 minutes trying to persuade me that Osprey's great. It's like, I just don't like him. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. Then we go into a deeper conversation about progress. And they said, well, you know, at least he's not Jimmy Havoc. I'm like, yeah, but he's not a nice guy either. Yeah, yeah he's still not good. <laughs> he yeah. tried to get the internet to buy his mum a car <laughs> when he was the highest paid wrestler in the country. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Sorry. Um, yeah, well, I definitely enjoyed it more than you did. <laughs> yeah. We can say that. Um, what I will say, can we agree on this? Because um, we can say a lot of things about Will Ospreay, but the theme song, his entrance music, is a banger. Like, it is a banger. <laughs> it is, but it makes me leave the room every time I hear it. So. <laughs> it was, I Elevated was stuck in my head for days after Wembley. Like, it's so annoyingly catchy. Um, yeah, like you say, it was, it was definitely a politics thing. It was definitely... You know, is he going to re-sign with New Japan? Is he going to sign with AEW? There's all that talk about his contract. I mean, he's not going to go to WWE after this, surely. I mean, it's pointless anyway, because do you want to see Will Ospreay wrestling at half speed? It seems pointless. But the the star treatment they kind of gave him here, you would be like, he's going to stick with, either stick with New Japan or sign with AEW, you would imagine. Um yeah, I, mean, I, I would I would happily have him sign with AW though after watching my New Japan show. <laughs> um, but well, I mean, like I think he has been set up as the top guy, Jim. Basically, that's what they're working towards, aren't they? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, he is effectively at yeah. the moment. He just um, the, you assume they're going to do the third Osprey Omega match at Wrestle Kingdom, and that's when Osprey gets the win to put him over the over the top. You would think that's like. I mean, it depends on, it depends really on how much money Bushy Road have to keep him and if you mm. think he's worth it because they've got Zack Sabre Jr. and he's as big a draw, I think, in a different way. Mm. Um, I don't think he's, but he, and, and yeah, and it's with AW, it's just depending on, I mean, I think Khan would have him. Mm. Not sure, oh, I'm, yeah, not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure, I'm not sure the books and Kenny are that bothered. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's, I mean, yeah, I can't have him for those just for the matches, if nothing else. But it is just like it depends. I mean, I know he's comfortable and he's slotted in Japan and he's got a faction and they've treated him like a star. But yeah. it's feeling more the closer we get to the day, in some ways, it's feeling a bit more like Prince Devitt at the end of his run mm. rather than say or Juice or, or um or uh Jay White. Mm. Um but having said that, they, they pushed him to the moon and, you know, he got to the final of G1, he's had massive matches at Wrestle Kingdom, mm. but is he ever going to be put in the NATO or Okada or Tanahashi position? Probably not, because he isn't that kind of wrestler, he's not what you want him for, and that's unfortunately the same thing that happens in AEW with him, if he goes there, he's never going to mm. be a top, top guy, he might be close to the top, Yeah. But he's never going to be top top guy, so he's got to make the decision of what's going to be best for him and his his future that way, really, more than anything else. Yeah, it is going to be going to be really interesting. I mean, it, yeah, for me, it's going to have to be one of the two. I don't see how he goes to WWE. I mean, for a number of reasons, but particularly this was designed to make him look like a star. It was designed for this to, like you say, they they played into this like being the big match. Um, Obviously, Jericho did the the Fozzy <laughs> entrance, which do the Fozzy appearance so he can claim they sold out Wembley, which is very Jericho. But 
I thought I actually thought that worked quite well in practice. They just did the verse and the the chorus like they normally would. Um, so yeah, that the entrances were really good. Um, I feel very differently on Osprey in terms of his in ring stuff. He's annoying in the sense that we both have opinions on him as a person, but in ring, <laughs> yeah, we do. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm of the opinion, and you know, you you obviously like. I'm not as much of a fan of him in ring. I do think he's he's unfortunately on a hell of a run this year, like with the matches he's been having. You know, yeah. you mentioned the G1. Um, obviously, I think, I think that I think the, the difference this year is he's not had Will Ospreay matches. Mm, that's it. I think, that's, I think yeah, I think yeah. The, the big the big issue is he can have great matches when the other guys are with him. Yeah, like a car, yeah, like a Carter and. Um, like the matches he had with Okada, the matches he had with Omega, yes, they've been fantastic, but you stick to mm. the Sonata and it's still like watching paint dry. So yeah. that's that's the issue for me. Or Hori lands on Sonata's face and breaks it. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that's that's the bigger issue for me is he's great when the other guy is great, mm. but not necessarily all the time. Yeah, um, which I guess is the irony here in that this was was an Osprey match basically yes, he was. And, and he was you know Jericho is obviously getting on needs to be carried a little bit in these situations he he obviously wanted the Osprey match for a reason he wanted the big Wembley match basically Osprey was obviously going to be a massive thing um working Wembley Stadium plus their friends as well which is does help that's it and he wanted, <laughs> he wanted to prove a point I think because there's been a bit of criticism you know the Cole feud Adam Cole feud just didn't work in practice if the output wasn't good but then obviously Jericho like working with Kingston was phenomenal like for the most part when Jericho has the big matches he tends to deliver um which is to his credit there were a couple of janky moments down the the stretch on this one like timing issues because again osprey is fast <laughs> and it's hard to you've got to kind of raise your level a little bit to kind of keep up with the spots and stuff like that yeah. but i think it was yeah i i did really really enjoy this like you say it's where you stand on osprey's style and matches um and <laughs> one final thing that made me laugh there was there was a dude behind us where we were sat and he, he actually got told to shut up after a while by the um you, not the security people but you know the staff because he was yeah. clearly irritating people with just yelling random stuff out but he was like yelling spots out he had such a weird kind of knowledge of knew like some stuff like he knew again like Aussie Open's finisher name but didn't know what like the Pepsi plunge was and then <laughs> <laughs> basically there was obviously the spot where Jericho's over the ropes and Osprey goes up top and he just went yeah leg drop Will it's like you cannot possibly think that he's going for a leg drop here have you seen a match with Osprey ever like he's obviously going for the shooting star press here he's done it in so many matches but <laughs> yeah it was very strange like the he knew very niche stuff and then nothing at all about stuff that was actually should have been quite obvious so yeah that was that was quite funny I yeah and the people around me were mostly okay yeah, I, I did forget male wrestling fans are rubbish. 
Um, yes, I will. I will tell you about the drunk guy next to us on the main event because that was that was something uh, as well. But yeah, I'll go. I'll talk about that when we get there. There was, there was two guys with one guy in front of me vaping all the way through the show. Lovely. So we got shouted at for smoking. Um, ah, <laughs> oh, on the way home, obviously I had to get the train back to Richmond, and mm. apparently the previous night was Cockbox for Ref Post eleventh anniversary. And for some reason, when I woke up on Sunday morning, Mickey James was trending on Twitter. And I was like, why is she trending on Twitter? And then I looked it up, and it was basically because someone had been screaming hardcore country all the way through the women's match. Right. Um, oh, yeah, I did yeah. see this. Yeah, the Rev Pro. To, to the point where the fans were starting booing them and yeah. we were trying to have a wrestling match. Um, and the guys who apparently started that chant were stood next to me, and I, I did not just turn around and give a mouthful because I should have done. Yeah. To my shame, I thought I'm trying to get home when it's like, why are you having an argument over in a crowd <laughs> tube station uh, about that? Because they were laughing about it, and and like, why why do you think this is funny? It's yeah. Like, it's just I I forgot that some wrestling fans are horrible yeah mm-hmm. sad acts like yeah like, get themselves over it's like it's not about you guys like no. everyone's just trying to enjoy themselves yes and it is just like mm. yeah anywho but yes <laughs> uh, the, 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 let's get the, the the bits that annoy james out of the way there we go <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on. anything else to say about this before we move on no i mean our opinions are clearly split on it i mean yeah because Osprey's Osprey, and in the ring, I'm very like he's he's on a phenomenal run. He's an irritating person. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> it just puts my teeth on edge. That's, yeah. that's all I can say. Anyway, next up in some main event was the acclaimed Anthony Bowens and Max Caswell with Billy Gunn going for the uh, AEW Trios Championship, and they defeated the House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews in a match that they disliked so much. Brody King punched a wall when he got back. <laughs> And I didn't think that this was that bad. <laughs> was it that, or was it the punk thing? Is what people are saying. Because I thought this was a fun match. Like it was a, it was in the co-main spot. It was a bit of a cool down. It was designed. It to was, be I mean, well, yeah, it's not going to be flat steam, though, is it? Let's exactly. be honest. You're not meant to be. But I think this this is the point of this one should have been earlier. If you swap this mm. with the women's match, maybe this one, and you know, mm. or uh, perhaps just save it for all out this week. Yeah, but I think the thinking was probably they were waiting for it to get darker so that the end, it was that kind of thing of being in the open air stadium yeah. and the House of Black's entrance is not going to look as good in the daylight. It um, isn't, but then you save it for next week when they're in an arena where you can turn all yeah. the lights on. <laughs> but I, yeah, I mean, the entrance was great and with, you know, they obviously did the the tribute to Bray to Wyndham as well, which you probably would expect with the Lantern and the, everyone had like the phone lights out, the Firefly stuff. So I think it, for that, it, it was worth it. It was a very cool moment, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um and if the match was fine, I don't think it was mm. great. Um, I think it was fun and it did what it needed to do. It told the story yeah. correctly. And, you know, House of Black offering respect to Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed is very rare for them to do that because they're proper heels. So yeah. that was nice. Um, but it, it fits yeah. with what they say, doesn't it? Of like, they they will, they've been setting themselves up as if anyone's good enough to beat them, then they will offer that respect kind of thing. Yeah. So it was good that they, yeah, they carried on with that. So yes, um, no, it, it was good, and yeah, it was solid. Anything yeah, it, it was. That's it. It was what it was. It was a fun, almost like 
for lack of a better term, like an attitude era type tag vibe, wasn't it? Of let's have yeah. you know, let's have fun. That's obviously something Billy Gunn was very accustomed to, and they did the the um, you know the nice title change. It was a a little bit unexpected. I think I'd forgotten that Billy Gunn had said he'll retire if they don't win it, which probably would have I would have made the connection more if I'd remembered that because I was a little bit like, oh, interesting when they did that as the finish. Um, yeah, I mean, if Brody King was was annoyed by it, at least he got to hear like 80,000 people doing the barking thing <laughs> when, when he was <laughs> doing that spot, which was very cool. And I mean, the best moment, you, you may know what I'm going to say about Max Caster's rap, which the Prince Andrew reference, I was laughing for about five minutes. <laughs> and I didn't hear anything else he said in that rap because I was crying with laughter that he threw that in. It was very like, yeah, of course that tracks that he would throw that in if he can get away with it. It was, yeah, that was very, very funny. Yeah. Yeah, no, just just harmless fun. I mean, what kind of thing you expect on a big show like this? But yeah. I agree with you. There was there was more WWE vibes about it than than AEW vibes in one sense. Mm. But you've got the big Sismi Daddy moment at the end, which is the whole point. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Yeah. Next up, MJF defeated Adam Cole to retain the AEW World Championship in in a match that can only be described as shenanigans. <laughs> the good shenanigans. Yeah. Yeah, it was, this was this was solid shenanigans I enjoy. I mean, I have not kept up with the full story because, like I said, I'm not a full time AEW mm. watcher. Um, so, but I, I understand the story because I have enough social media contacts and stuff. What's yeah. going on? Um, I would say if people don't, by the way, and you know, want to go back, AEW put like the whole thing on the YouTube channel, which was very smart of them, so you could kind of marathon all the segments. Yeah. Um, in like an hour, it's like an hour and a half video because there's so much stuff. But yeah, they they've put that on their YouTube channel, which I assume is still there. Yeah, but this this was an absolute blast from beginning to end. Um, mm. Roddy being thrown in for one interference. For yeah. One. <laughs> well, by the way, Roderick Strong is show, like I did not know he had these comedic chops. Like he has oh, been yeah. so funny he's, in this storyline. He's been hit under a bushel throughout his career. He's yeah. finding his true calling. <laughs> um and displaying everything that he can possibly display. But yeah, no, this was an absolute blast. This was joyous and yeah, it's not my type of wrestling match, but I am mm. thoroughly enjoying myself nonetheless. I mean, that's kind of like the best compliment you can give, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I thought this was was a phenomenal main event because it was it was probably, like you say, it was probably a bit overbooked in areas in terms of like the sports entertainment story of it. But again, in the stadium, it worked gangbusters because everyone was was into it. I think it was... I liked it because it was such a combo of like the sports entertainment stuff, but then they were having quite hard hitting, brutal match alongside that as well, like the apron spots. The brain buster on the steps looked horrible. Like mm. that was such a nasty mm-hmm. match. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they you know they were doing the Panama Sunrise on the floor. So they were doing big main event wrestling spots as well, as well as having kind of the the funny sports entertainment stuff around it, you know, the ref bumps. Um, 
Those, those, like one, of, one of the more contrived ref bumps, I think. <laughs> this is the thing as well, and the other issue of being a Chicago fan is I have been watching Bryce Ransberg referee matches for 15 years. Yeah. I think he is one of the crispest referees you will ever see. Yeah. So when he does go for a ref bump, you know exactly what's going to happen because it's... <laughs> and unfortunately for him, he's actually too good at being a referee in that particular <laughs> sense because he was like, oh, Bryce, don't stand there. You're gonna... Oh, Bryce. Yes. So, it, but yeah, yeah. The, the Panama Sunrise spot, it was really well done, but it was obviously quite contrived. But it, again, massive pop that they pulled that off, to be fair. Um, and yeah, there, there was obviously like the Eddie, whole Eddie Guerrero bit of like chucking the chair back and forth, which was, was great, of who can cheat better and things like that. Um, the Roddy interference, as you say, down the stretch, set up that amazing near fall, which I think everyone bit on with like the low blow into Cole hitting, I think he hit the boom. And then, yeah, MJF ended up kicking out at the last second, which was was great. And ends up getting the roll up and kind of outsmarting him right at the end. And yeah, I think it was a really good combo of the hard hitting wrestling, sports entertainment silliness to kind of continue the storyline. And in the end, the real winner of the night was friendship. And that's that's all you can ask. <laughs> and I th- it, it basically comes back to what I was saying before. They just uh, It's really entertaining, this storyline, because they are subverting expectations all the time. You know, they tease the turn so much, but for them to... It would have been so easy. You're in Wembley. It's the biggest show you've done you do the big heel turn moment with Cole, you know, he realigns with Roddy, all that kind of stuff. But it ended up working better for them to subvert it and stay together longer. The turn's going to happen, I'm sure, at some point. There's too much kind of they've teased over the course of it. But it's also the most overact in the company. And, like, it's one of those where you've got lightning in a bottle. Why would you rush to the next part of the story when you could milk this for a few more months and get probably a lot more fun stuff out of it and if they can you know we'll see this may be all this will be a moot point if you know in i think they're defending the roh titles tonight aren't they uh, um at all out so yeah cole, they are against um dark order yes so if cole turns on him tonight and by the time this is released i might look completely stupid but i'm hoping that they keep this, this running for this a is, bit longer this is why when i was like my my antenna clipped up when it was the dark order because it's mm. one of two things either either one thing they steamrolled the dark order mm. to kind of solidify how good they are as a team to make the story go a little bit longer mm. or they lose to a team which is which are markedly inferior because mm. John Silver and um, this other guy, see, can't even remember his name. As lovely <laughs> Alex as he Reynolds. is, Alex Reynolds. They're good wrestlers, and I like mm-hmm. them, and everybody likes them. But they've been pushed as not as good as <laughs> yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. else. So if they lose to them, that's obviously going to cause no end of contention. We lost to a team we should have beat easily. Yeah, so and- that's, that, 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 there's intrigue layers for you already. Yeah, and I guess you're right as well. In like that, is that the one where you? you pull the trigger when because i was thinking they'd maybe get the kingdom as the challengers because it was the battle royal to set it up and that would maybe then that's all kind of the underlying stuff with the kingdom and roddy and you know cole's history there and stuff like that that they've been teasing so i think if it was that the turn maybe would seem like it was it was more likely to happen so 
And basically, yeah, if you get a chance to watch some of the, the stuff they've been doing, it has been genuinely funny as well. Not like wrestling funny, like actually funny. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it is one of those where you can have so much more fun with this for months. They've got Roddy, like you say, is adding this extra element of showing off his, his comedic chops. It's also like being, you know, got an underlying level of, of logic as well. And like the MJF is how he's just made all his backstory and sort of, he did this in the punk feud as well of like why he doesn't trust people and, you know, b bringing it back to like his childhood and things like that of why he behaves the way he does. So it like makes sense that it's not just a classic wrestling guy is bad guy you know it's very yeah. like more more layered than that which i really really enjoy um and yeah he's like i said he, he was the probably the most or one of the most over guys of the night like people were singing his theme song his entrance music which has no words in it and people <laughs> were singing it it was yeah this this storyline has really pushed you over the edge as i said about adam cole people were questioning if he made the right move for him to be in the hottest storyline in the company one of the hottest storylines in wrestling um and be headlining Wembley Stadium it's like again these are the opportunities that are available to these guys now um yeah it, it was a great main event the, the the guy next to me I was gonna say the drunk guys <laughs> um so basically they were obviously drinking throughout the night and one of the guys was absolutely steaming and he basically got to the point where he was clearly like going out constantly to the toilet to throw up because he drank too much um and in the last few matches he was constantly in and out and in the main event he went out and they did obviously the the false finish where it was like the you know bryce rang the bell and was like it's a draw and that was then, you know, the callback to basically they had a draw before and this time MJF's not going to chicken out. He's going to, he's grown as a person now. So he's going to tell them this match goes until we have a winner. Um, but basically this guy came back and started cheering. was like, yeah, 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 restart. It's like, do you have any idea what's going on? Because you've completely <laughs> missed the fact that the match ended temporarily and is now being restarted. So it was, yeah. I was like, how are you following the train of thought in this main event at all when you've gone out <laughs> about five times? Oh, maybe he's watching on his phone. As he was yeah, I, I don't think so in the state he was in. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there, was, there was a lot of beers during the rounds. I chose to stay sober and enjoy the show. Also because you couldn't get near the bar quickly and I wanted to watch oh, the no. show as possible. It's the same with the merch stuff. It was like there was some nice shirts, but I was like, I also kind of want to watch the wrestling matches I've come here specifically to watch. Yeah, so I, I think, I think that, was, that was a big kind of like bone of contention this week was mm. they did 1.4 million in merch and WWE mm. did 1.5 million 30 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Which you kind of tell you like their lack of uh, prep when it came to yeah. merch was a bit of a problem. There was, just, yeah. there was no merch stands outside the building. There was, there, was, there was there was a couple actually. I don't know when was. they got 
they got set up, but down the way. way, yeah, yeah, I mean, right, maybe there was then. But, but I think with that, it was again like maybe not clear beforehand that that was going to be the setup. Because I think if they'd made that clear, people would have gone earlier, people would have got the merch then, things like that. So, yeah, I don't think they may be. I think they'll be more prepared next year with that stuff, definitely. Yeah. So and and yeah, that's the thing. And of course, yes, it was at the end of the show. Tony Khan came out to ring mm. to announce there was going to be another uh, all in at Wembley Stadium this next coming summer yeah. on holiday weekend. Sounds um, like it's going to be an annual thing, which is pretty cool for us. Yeah, which is going to be. This is the thing: is that they've got to keep that momentum going, which is yeah. the next question. Which they have to be fair to them; they have done because. You know, we think back to the first Forbidden Door pay-per-view watch, didn't have a lot of build and was kind of underwhelming mm. as far as the card, the card that was announced. And then they managed to build to a bigger and better one the following year. Yeah. And there's yeah, and it, yeah you're there. right. That's a good comparison as well, because that first show, people were underwhelmed on paper and then it was probably the best show, you know, US show of the year, because in the it just delivered so, so much. And then, like you say, they can build to the second one where then you have all the dream matches or, you know, you have the double main event of complete dream matches, basically. So, yeah, I think that that would be hopefully the thinking for next year and they can plan the all-in, all-out split and manage that a little bit better than I think they want to keep this they, year. Well, they, well, they want to keep it on following weekends because they want all-out on Labor Day. <laughs> no, I guess well, what I mean is, the, Man, manage the manage the split between the two. Manage shows. the booking, yeah. It's felt so muddled that they've not seemed to know which show they want to put more focus on and stuff like that. And I think you can you can very clearly again have the split in matches, but just yeah, it just needs to be managed a lot better. Of here's the ones that are going on all in, these are going on all out. You know, all out's basically been feels like it's been booked on the fly in the last week basically outside of about three matches so they need to yeah get a handle on that for next year definitely yeah so that kind of brings us to an end of this particular review have you anything else to say alex um i mean i feel like we've done about two hours there so yes probably should probably shouldn't have any more to say other than yeah it was yeah it was a, it was a great show and yeah hopefully we do it all again next year, and it's even better. That's, with, that's the hope. with a bit more planning from me, I think is possibly a, a thing to do. Um, yes, yes. Well, <laughs> all of us. So it wasn't just us. The amount of people I spoke to, like friends who did the same thing, went down on the day, didn't get a chance to do as much as they wanted to, meet up with people. It felt very like, yeah, now this is a regular thing. We can start to be a bit more organised in how how we do this. Indeed. Right then. Well, we have to call it for today on today's show. Next week, we'll be looking at the legacy of the great, great Terry Funk with uh, John, who is joining me for a podcast in the middle of the week this week. Because uh, next weekend, I'm off to go and see our good friend Chelsea Swallow, who is in the UK. So uh, that'll be nice. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening today. Alex, where can we find you on the internet, sir? Uh, Alex187 on Twitter slash X. We call it the hellscape here. Yeah, I hate that it's called X, but that's uh, that's another conversation for another time. No, no one likes that it's called X except Elon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
I have to talk about him enough in my day job, so I'll, I'll save that. <laughs> uh, anywho, you can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on Twitter. You can find me on Masters on Sheriff Lone Star, and you can find me on Instagram, Sheriff Lone Star TX, but that's not really wrestling orientated stuff. Though I did post the pictures of when we were saving on there the other day. Um, you can find the show, Troopity Show, on Twitter. You can find us on um, Discord. We are on there. I keep forgetting about Discord. I should plug that more often. We're on Discord, <laughs> Troopity Show podcast. We are on. Um, where else are we on? Oh, Instagram as well. Yeah, Troopity Show on Instagram. We're on Patreon and Facebook as The Troopity Show. And if you use Patreon, you can keep The Troopity Show free for everyone forever. Oh, like I said, we will be back next week. Take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye! Bye! <laughs>